to the Luton Town Supporters Trust, the longest running Luton Town podcast, the only podcast that's gone from League Two to the Premier League and it is the Premier League that we're obviously going to talk about because we're going to review Luton Town's first win in the Premier League, not our first top flight win, which is starting to piss me off everyone saying that (laughs) uh, all of that, but uh, very much our first Premier League win away to Everton on Saturday and to help me uh, break that game down, I'm joined by the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe. And town fan and hated by everyone in the blue side of Liverpool, Dan Barrett Davis. <laughs> Sorry. If you don't know what I mean, uh, make sure you watch our preview podcast where he basically, well, he just mugged them right off. Um, so I said they were rubbish. Well, you probably weren't wrong, either, <laughs> to be fair, on uh, what we well, saw no. on Saturday. But uh, actually, as you were at the game, Dan, and as everyone hates you, we might well, as well come back to you first. Um, right. You guessed 2-1. In that preview podcast, yep. you were proved absolutely right yep, for a in change. one of our true Luton Town performances. Yeah, it was much like most of the games last season, I think, um, where you know we try and get ahead and try and hold on to it without looking like we're holding on to it, if you know what I mean. Um, I thought they had a lot of opportunities, and if they put them away, we're in massive, massive trouble. Um, but... They couldn't shoot, and we could when it mattered. And you know, we scored some nice goals. And I thought, I thought generally, you know, we were very resilient uh, with with without a lot of pressure from the home side. Um, I've, you know, they, they could argue that they had all the possession and all the chances to win the game. But if you don't put them away, you don't win the game, do you? Um, and that's why I think we deserve to win it. Yeah, I think Sean Dyche. Yeah, I think Sean Dyche nailed it, didn't he? Uh, yeah. All the numbers don't mean anything apart from the one that uh, is usually in the top right-hand corner of the screen mm-hmm. um, during the game. I should just say we are recording this episode of the podcast at the High Town Club, so if you do catch a little bit of background noise, there is some entertainment on downstairs, but we're not going to begrudge anyone that. We're all in jovial mood, and uh, quite rightly so, James, because this win's been coming. We've said it's been coming. The performances have improved and improved and improved and it improved again. And finally, this time, A, we were clinical in front of goal and we got exactly what we deserved. Yeah, I mean, what what a result. Uh, it's a long time coming. We've been waiting for this for a long time, but it's been building towards this and it should have come against Wolves. It didn't. Um, and any hangover that anybody might have thought that would have happened because of the Exeter game didn't. And uh, yeah, three points on the board. So, I, you know, if you take the two games together, I thought that the results would come the other way around and it would be a win against Wolves and a, a draw against Everton, which is what I predicted, a one-all draw, um, which I was joyous when it quickly went out the window <laughs> <laughs> um, and got two quick quick goals in that first half. Um, you know, that's that's what you want, really. I mean, yeah, you, you've got everybody knew you'd have to weather the storm and... Rob Edwards did his pretty much press conference. He was talking about that as well. <clears throat> That's understandable, but you do that and then you've got to make it count. And, you know, finally, Luton were far more clinical than they have been. And that's these incremental steps that they're making. And, uh, yeah, 
it's, it's a, it was a good good day. Yeah, absolutely was apart for from, us. Apart from the traffic yeah. on the um, on the way up there, which was a bit of a pain in the ass. Uh, everything else about the day was just brilliant. Actually, Dan, it, mm. it was just a brilliant away day, wasn't it? Classic old school ground. Yeah. Great away end where you can create good atmosphere. It was absolutely rocking before the game, during the game, towards the end of the game, and then after the game, the scenes were incredible. Oh, it was. And um, as away ga- as away days go, you know, right up there in recent memory. Yeah, definitely. Well, re- as recent as it was... <laughs> The last game. <laughs> yeah, you've just come back. You've just literally. I've got literally back. <laughs> just come back from Liverpool because I went out in the town straight after the game and got absolutely walloped. Yeah, fair play. And, quite, um, and after your last comments on this podcast, quite I was lucky. It weren't a physical wallop. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did get a lot of friendly greetings from Liverpool supporters, um, which my mate, being a Liverpool fan, was a bit puzzled by. But then I did point out that we'd just beaten Everton, and that's probably why. <laughs> but no. Um, but yeah, I have just got back. The traffic was horrendous. Um, I never want to see the A50 again. Um, yeah, I mean, it, as away days go, back to the question, I'm just trying to remember it in my head. Um, it was good, wasn't it, it? It was a brilliant away day. It do, was. Do you uh, know what day it is, Dan? No, and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care because we won a Premier League game. Um, but no, it, good in some parts of cracking stadium I've never been before and it, it was one that when we got promoted it was one that was really looking forward to um, probably won't be welcome there again but well hopefully you're not going there again well um, yeah I mean uh, do, do you know what, on, got them in the cup. on that it is a shame that they are leaving I mean I understand that everybody wants a new ground across we've been crying out for one since the year dot haven't we so um, and we, we will get ours eventually but it, it like you say it's a good old fashioned ground I actually really really enjoyed it besides the football um, which was an added bonus. Football didn't ruin football for a change. No, the only thing that's weird this weekend, James, is Luton haven't gone up a place when we've not played, but we don't actually need to go up because we're not even in the bottom three anymore. I mean, fourth on match of the day, fourth from bottom. There's, there's a lot Ooh. of fours that are going very well. And um, at the time of recording, which is before the Fulham-Chelsea game, just a solitary point behind the billionaires. Yeah, the fading billionaire project that is Chelsea. Um, beautiful sight that table, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, to be out of that bottom three, and um, the only the only club out of that bottom four that um, have been getting powers, but I feel that have been really building. Um, Bournemouth are in bother, real bother. Mm. That manager's probably not going to last very long of theirs. No. And um, we'll see what Burnley are all about um, on Tuesday. And Sheffield United obviously took a. 8-0 hammering since the last time we recorded on this and um, it just shows you, doesn't it, what can happen in this league. And their manager's not going to last uh, too much longer either, I wouldn't have thought. You. The question going into the game then, James, was who would replace uh, Albert Sambi Laconga? Really horrible news that he's going to be out for a few months with a hamstring injury that we picked up against Wolves. Um, the answer to the question was Peli Rudakampanzu, who has now won a game of football in a Luton Town shirt in all of the top five divisions in English football. Massive shout out to Billy for that. And he was a huge part of the um, performance of the team. His energy, we flagged it up, didn't we, in the preview podcast. They've got lots of physicality, lots of energy in midfield, and Pelly matched it. I wouldn't go as far as to say he was the standout performer on the day, but he certainly didn't let us down, and he did everything that that position asks of him. 
what a guy, eh? It's just that man just keeps um, proving people wrong yeah. everywhere he goes. And, you know, he's not, he's had to make do for the first time in a very long time with coming off the bench and stuff. But, um, yeah, it was a signal that Sambi got that injury because it didn't look that, it looked fairly innocuous coming off. And, you know, a couple of months is like the high end for a hamstring injury. And we, yeah, I think we were all on the group chats going, oh, bloody hell. Because <laughs> mm. he was so good in the first two games. But, man, this is Pelly Roddick and Panzi. He just comes in and he's Mr. Luton and he does what is needed to be done. Um, you know, he's played all over the midfield. He's played in defence. He's played. So, did he play up front once? Probably. Goal? Maybe. Who knows? Who cares? Um, yeah. Done it all. It just don't play in goal yet. We're waiting for Kaminsky to get sent off and run out of subs. <laughs> yeah. If you need that man to do a job, then he will do it. And um, yeah, what what a guy. Absolutely. And let's not forget that, you know, he was up against sort of three international midfielders in that centre of uh, Everton's midfield, which was overloaded. It's the first time actually that we've played a team this season and we've made a big thing of this that didn't play 4-3-3. It's kind of hard to tell just what formation Everton did play because, I mean, they were it was like... There wasn't, didn't seem really much of a cohesive plan to anything that they did. And, uh, I, I guess that was very much to the, um, sort of way we set up and, uh, credit to Rob Edwards for that. Uh, the game mm. then, Dan, obviously, mm. I think you mentioned it. We rode an early storm. There were shots whizzing past Kaminsky that thankfully whizzed past the post as well. Lots of ooing and ahhing, but nothing that was really within much danger of the goal. And, um, first time we caught, kind of got forward, Chio against Young, we flagged it up. Before the game, it was the most obvious mismatch of all mismatches this season. He mm. just roasted him, kept on roasting him, one corner after corner after corner. Should have gone ahead before we did. Tommy headed over, mm-hmm. nearly uh, made to pay for that. But pretty much soon after, another corner, Morris header deflected over from the resulting corner. Morris hits the crossbar. What is it about us hitting a bloody woodwork at nil-nil? But thankfully this time <laughs> it bounced down. Yeah. Absolutely no idea what Ashley Young was doing. Bashing it straight at Lockyer, but I'm mighty glad he did. Mm. Into the net, cue limbs. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, you've just summed it up perfectly there. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dan, Dan doesn't remember. He was he was <laughs> three sheets of the wind before. I've had to quickly rewatch it before <laughs> going on. But yeah, no, it, it, I think I, I do remember little bits. Um, Morris getting the head on it, you know. Um, it comes off the keeper, um, and you see Lock, Lockyer. When you watch back on the replay, Lockyer actually shrugs his man off. I think it was Bramthwaite, who um, seemed to throw himself about a bit, a bit at our players. No problem with that, really, because Lockyer managed to shrug him off and just get his foot where it needed. And when he hit the back of the net, I mean, I banged my head on the roof, <laughs> jumped up that eye. I mean, I'm quite tall anyway, but yeah, it was just, just fantastic. I couldn't believe it. You know, we scored away from home first in the Premier League, and uh, I think it settled a lot of us. Because um, like you say, the early storm. And then I, th- I think for about 10, 15 minutes after, I mean, we scored again not long after. Carlton's goal was just beautiful. Uh, the, the ball from Doughty was a dream. And Morris kept his composure beautifully and struck it home. Pickford couldn't do nothing about that. Um, but yeah, I, I think for about 10 minutes after, 10, 15 minutes after the first goal, I think we, we actually really took the game to him. And we looked like the home side for large parts of the first half. And the second half was just about holding on and just weathering more of the storm um, in fact for you they, they have flip flops instead of football boots for shooting boots and uh... yeah they did yeah. Um, I mean 
I mean, if it was a station full of ideas, it quickly emptied because mm. they did. They ran out of ideas very, very quickly. Their only idea was give the ball to Harrison to put a cross in. It, you know, if Beto headed it, chances are it's going over the crossbar anyway because nothing went anywhere near the goal that came from him. Calvert-Lewin kind of faded very fast in the game. As we got stronger, really, I mean, in that second half, I was sat there and, well, I wasn't sat there, I stood there and um, I never really thought, do you know what, we're in trouble here. And when they scored five minutes before half time, you kind of thought, oh, shit. There we go. That's the lift that they need. It's going to be hectic. I never really, even now, I'm trying to rack my brains of something that I thought, we got away with it there. Yeah, there was a header that went miles over the crossbar, but from the lack of pace on the cross, it would have had to have been something special to beat Kaminsky anyway. Everything else, we just balls whizzing across our our box, but Luton Town have just come from a league that's bloody full of them. We're going to defend them absolutely fine, you know. It's it, it, Even with like the changes in defence, it just... I never really thought we were going to concede that equaliser, and actually, I was, I was trying to work out if there was a way that we could have got a third, and we were just just a slight early movement from Jacob Brown otherwise we'd have had that third and yet another lovely move I mean Alfie Doughty's left peg I mean it's going up in value every single time he touches the football in this league he is incredible I mean he's played three and a half call it four games in total in terms of minutes and he's already up to 11th for uh, crosses in this division in this entire division and you know some teams have played two more games than that it's it's fantastic what he's done and um, and we should really say that because Obviously, when Giles signed, we all knew that he was going to start because Luton Town don't spend five million quid on a player uh, and stick him on the bench straight away. But Doughty, he was like, no, I'm not giving my place up. And ever since that wonder goal against Gillingham, he's been absolutely fantastic. And again, I'm not totally convinced he was my man of the match on Saturday, but he was right in the conversation. I was pleased for him, really, because he was such an outstanding performer last season and just by virtue of that price tag on Giles, really. He's unlucky to come out. I mean, you don't know what has gone on in training, obviously, but he's really, really stepped up since that Gillingham game where he was one of the players on that pitch, uh, one of the best players in that game. The goal was amazing. And uh, he's taken his chance and he's not let it go. I mean, six chances created yesterday on Saturday, and that's the most in the Premier League for one game. I mean, we talked about him and Chio on that left-hand side, that they're virtually undroppable at the moment. And they're just gold-plating it because he was fantastic. I think you can lose the word virtually, can't you? I think I think they are undroppable, um, certainly on... I mean, the only concern is that, you know, Alfie runs out of puff towards the end of a game and we have to use a substitute. But hey, I mean, if that's the only fault that he's got, then uh, happy days. I mean, I mean if he's sticking six chances on a plate for people... Mm. I mean, even the one that he... Um, crossed for the goal that was disallowed was a peach of a ball to the back post because yeah. Pickford couldn't come for it. It was so just like just out of his reach, and you know if, if, if Brown was like half a yard back, then yeah, it would much more convincing scoreline. Absolutely, I mean, there's been some criticism of our set pieces so far this season, probably because of the volume of the things that we've had in comparison to the actual chances that we've had from them. No criticism of that on Saturday. Each and every one that Alfie Doughty put in was a threat against a team who supposedly pride themselves on being so strong at set pieces. For us to 
dominate them in the air. And I thought it was really good analysis from Micah Richards actually on match of the day to show just how we were able to dominate them in the air with, you know, players blocking runs and leaving man's f- men free and, and everything else. And it just worked out absolutely perfectly. Uh, and, and you're right, James, that left hand side, um, Doughty and Chio just, I mean, they've hit the ground running big time, literally hit the ground running <laughs> yeah. in Chio's case. Um, mm. Absolutely superb. But I think there's one person that we really do need to talk about, Dan, and um, we've got Beast Mode Marvellous back because he was absolutely incredible at Goodison Park on Saturday. Six tackles in the game. He is now the leading tackler in the Premier League. And f- don't forget, we have played one game less than every team bar one. Sorry, bar three, because we're recording this before Fulham against Chelsea in this league. He's the most tackles in the league 26 tackles one ahead of Eves Basuma and Amari Bell's only four behind that so um, to have Marvin that sort of form that's what took us to the Premier League mm. and you've got to say based on Saturday's evidence if he's in that form it's that that's going to keep us in the Premier League yeah I mean there's no there's no doubt in Marvellous's ability to perform at this level um, my gaffer's a Villa fan and he he was a little bit gutted that they were letting him come to us firstly on loan and then and then permanently, I mean... Do you know, I, I heard something about that, that um, it's not the defending aspect of it, because he can do, we've, we've mm. seen that, and those stats bear it out, but it was um, his distribution um, aspect of it. Yeah. But he's up to 84% pass, pass accuracy, yeah. as he was before the game at Everton. I think he's he, he's not quite as expansive in terms of passing a football. He, he tends to keep it simple. I mean, I've, I'll never forget the first time I saw him when he came on as a sub for, what, 25 minutes, and he... he it get the ball off someone, pass it, and you just make it look so simple. And you know full well it's not. Holding midfield is really difficult position to play. Um, but he's been like a duck to water, and I think he's probably been guilty of having a bit of a slow start. I think we have in general had a bit of a slow start of the first few games. But it, I mean, he really came into his own and showed why. You know, he was the difference last year, and it'll be a difference again this year. I think because of his experience and his ability, he's been absolutely marvelous. It just literally didn't. Yeah, he just didn't have a preseason, did he? Really? No. That was that was probably that, and there was a few that were slow starters. So yeah, um, there was a a few missing from preseason because we signed a lot of players late on as well. And you know, it it does make a difference. I don't care what anyone says; it does does make a difference. And you always know it's going to take as long as preseason is to get sort of back into the swing of things. So we should start seeing a few more stepping up. Not that anybody's really dropped off the pace, I'd say, not drastically. Um, but in terms of getting minutes and getting more games in, then you know they, they start getting sharper and they're back to the best. I mean, it's a few games in. We're still quite early on. What are we five, six, six games, six in. games in. So yeah, yeah, it is still relatively early days, but everyone's improving. But yeah, no, marvelous on Saturday, absolutely brilliant. And like I mean, like you said, James, the move for the disallowed goal that was started by marvelous putting the ball out wide to Alfie Doughty, having carried the ball away from danger in the first place. Him and Pelly looked really, really good in the centre of that midfield. And um, if Sambi is out for as long as uh, they say he is, and obviously we hope he's not, we hope he's back uh, very quickly. Uh, if if he is, those two are going to form um, some partnership. We'll keep mm. on the positives theme, James, because the main man up front, he's back as well. We said, didn't we, the last couple of games, a couple of defenders had just managed to sort of tame him a little bit. 
Tarkovsky and Branthwaite didn't. He would, that was that was a proper centre forwards performance from Morris. Forget the goal. The goal was absolutely brilliant on the half volley, first time far corner. He knew exactly what he was doing. Fantastic. But those two centre halves did not get a minute's piece from Morris. He was absolutely brilliant. And when he went off with fifteen to go or whatever it was, he fully, fully, fully deserved the uh, stand innovation he got from the town fans. Yeah, they love him, don't they? I, I, I don't want to forget the goal, to be honest. <laughs> I watched it over and over again. That is some finish, to be honest. It was yeah. such a difficult technique that um, on the half volley. Half volley is quite difficult anyway, but to hit that on the angle and low and hard past England's number one goalkeeper from a decent way out, you know, probably 12, 15 yards out uh, at the angle. First time as well. Um, Again, Doughty's ball was sensational, and that that was worked. That was a training ground move. I've seen a lot of Everton fans going, "Well, the marking was terrible." Yeah, well, it is. It was. It was. Yeah. But they've exploited that. Mm. Also, there was a lot of attention taken off by the players, and you've mentioned it already. And that was running through the middle, which happened a lot of times. So, whatever Alan McCormack is doing on the training ground is starting to, you know, come off now, isn't it? So, um, yeah, <clears throat> but. Carl Morris is, yeah, he's, that's his first goal in open play as well. I mean, it's technically it's a set piece, but um, his first goal that isn't a penalty. It's going to do him the world of good. Should have had another one as well. Mm. If it weren't for a couple of yards that Jacob Brown was off, but his all round contribution really. Um, he's really starting to get to grips with this league. I think as, as they all seem to be, you can't, deny that by the the thing where they're talking about the improvement journey that is going on and everything is going up and up and up from that first game at Brighton and they're learning quickly and that's all you can hope for 30 uh, sorry 30 aerial battles won now for Carlton Morris this season more than anyone else in the Premier League and um, you know when you think that the list consists of mostly centre-halves Kind of goes to show just how well he can bully centre halves that he's got uh, the most of them. Uh, just incidentally, two ahead of Brentford's Ethan Pinnock, six ahead of Anana that we played against yesterday. Not the Manchester United version. Don't think he could win an aerial battle if you paid him. Um, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, though, when you when you look at these stats that are now coming out, that uh, marvellous the canvas top of the um, tackling stats, Alfie Dowie's. Uh, got the best stats uh, at the weekend for chances created. And now Carlton Morris up there with Ariel Jules one. I mean, that's the way Luton are playing. And if, if you're winning those battles, then that's a hell of a um, improvement and a hell of a platform to build your season on really. And everything is really looking great. Yeah, it really is. And um, it wasn't just Carlton Morris and Luton town that no doubt benefited from uh, that second goal on Saturday, pretty much every Luton fan out there who does fantasy football, I would imagine, had Morris as their captain this week, given that it's double game week for Luton. So we've all benefited from that as well. And of course, nearly an assist for the first one as well. Unfortunately, Ashley Young decided to get in the way before he could have that. But he's it was sure I'm sure he'll get plenty more against Burnley. Um two more positives, Dan. Mm. To uh well we're doing the positives. Mads Anderson who in the second half was absolutely immense. I mean, I I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Dominic Calvert-Lewin faded. That's kind of harsh on Mads because Mads picked him up, dumped him in his pocket and cracked on uh, with the rest of the game. And Ted and Mengi made his Premier League debut, uh, came on for Rhys Burke for the last half an hour. We believe Rhys Burke had a bit of a groin strain. 
That's why he went off as a precaution. Tom Lockie went off. If you saw match of the day, you've seen he's got a right old shiner uh, under his left eye, which was closing up. So probably better to take no um, precautions with that. But Anderson and Mengi, if we do have to play Burnley without one or both of Lockyer and Burke, and let's hope they are both okay to play, the drop-off doesn't look like it's going to be too big. No, and that's why you have a squad. Simple as that. Okay, the ones that played in midweek at Exeter didn't do themselves many favours, but you know you you come in and you get a, you get another chance. You've got to bloody well take it. Else you you know you you can't let your performance levels drop at, at this level at all. Um, if you have a bad game, you better better bloody make sure the next one's you know a bit better. Um, but yeah, no, they they were both really impressive, and I like what I've seen of Mad so far. I watched him against Gillingham, um, and he, against West Ham as well, and he, he he looks tough, really strong, physical, and that's what you need. You know, it, it, I wouldn't expect him to play every week, but in time he could be a key player for us. Yeah, I, I must admit, I was uh, very impressed. I was impressed with um, him when he played in that. Gillingham game. Mm. I was re- actually I was relatively impressed when he played it against West Ham as well. Yep. I mentioned in the, that podcast that it was only one incident where he looked a bit leggy, but that's it really. And every, everything else since then, I mean, he's exceeded my expectations really because um, it's a big, big jump to go from the Championship to go um, to the Premier League, and he's come from League One. But it's obviously, it's obvious quality there, and um, yeah, I just I, I'm sticking with my guns that I just think he's going to be like a cult. Uh, a fan favourite really because yeah. it, it, it just does everything you want from a defender and it's not you know he's not John Stones or anything he's but he's a proper defender that people love uh, that, in the way that he plays and I think um, he's going to be, be a big boost to learn mm, on Mengi as well I mean when when they got the guy in to do the FC 24 ratings and Mengi for each and every one went questionable also questionable and yeah I mean when he came on I thought well we're asking some questions of you today what have you got and it, I think he answered some of them you know yes. I, I love that um, the video was quite funny but I love him in retrospect now you've said that I love that a lot of those players are going come on behave what's these yeah. stats about because Alfie as well like, yeah, you see my goal exactly yeah. <laughs> but I mean it, I know it's only some, some computer game but yeah it, there's, that, there's, there's another thing to be motivated about, isn't it? To improve your own standing in in, those, mm. in, in whatever that ranking is. Because, I mean, there's an awful lot of 12-year-olds who think that that's very important. So, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are. But more importantly, it is about our players believing that they belong at this level. And the closer their numbers are to the other players and the other teams would be recognition of that. And... Um, the more performances they put in like Saturday, the more wins they get like they did on Saturday, um, the, the better it, it can be. Yeah, on Ted and Mengi, Dan said not many people shone at Exeter in terms of um, potentially forcing their way into the side. And that's probably right. The two that did, though, were Mads Anderson and Ted and Mengi. He looks a real good footballer. I mean, he's come through Man United's academy, so he obviously he's not shit. But he looks well, a real good footballer. Questionable. <laughs> <laughs> he looks a real good footballer as well as a defender. Yeah. Very much in the Reese Burke mould. And um, he just looks comfortable on the ball. That video that Dan's referenced, he's obviously comfortable in himself, confident lad. And he hasn't come here to sit on the bench. And, you know, someone's given him a chance to play in the side. 
And and he took it. I mean, you know, apart from one header, Beto didn't really influence the game at all. Uh, Mengi was composed. He was calm. To be fair to Issa Kabore, he was a little bit on the edge at times, you know. Understandable after it was his mistake against Exeter that um, cost us the cup tie. But Mengi was just a comp- composed, calming influence. And actually, there was no real drop-off from Rhys Burke going going off the pitch. And we love Rhys Burke on this podcast. Mm. He is true class. And I think with a run of games, Mengi could be right there as well. Well, this is the strength of Luton's recruitment, isn't it? And also the 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 blind spot that maybe some big clubs have to not putting in young, talented players. I mean... You know, Man United they don't come much bigger than Man United, obviously, but mm. they ain't pulling up trees. And you know, when you've got smacking <laughs> into them at the minute, <laughs> when you got, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got Harry Maguire in your squad, mm. and he is clearly not fancied by Ten Hag. Then why not? Why not? I mean, I'm not complaining. Their loss is Luton's gain, and um, yeah, it's it, it was the same with Burke as well. Um, Somehow he found, it, found himself at Hull and in League One. But Luton saw something in him as well. And yeah, like, like you say, we've waxed lyrical about him ever since he's come because he's with the ball at his feet, he's wonderful. And as a defender, he's very solid as well. So if Luton have found another one of those, it really does bode well for the strength of uh, the department because you know we know that Burke, Burke is a bit injury prone and hopefully he's not going to be too affected by this and it was just a precaution because he's done his groin before isn't he and that was a, a difficult one to sort out um, but if he is out then a Mengi can come in or anyone for that matter because it happened last season as well it wasn't always the same back five a revolving cast because of injuries and suspensions or whatever and they were always solid yeah they were and I think <clears throat> I mean obviously that's the concern for Luton fans isn't it that Reese Burke, we, we we just wish he can stay fit and we hope that he can. But at the moment we've got Gay Bosho out and you were like, oh no, we really need Reese Burke to stay fit now. But actually we've got back up to the backup or whoever, you know, whichever the number one is. Um, Osho's been back training as well. I asked um, in the pre-match press of Everton and he just got back out on the grass. He's only training on his own at the moment, but that's a good sign. Absolutely it is, yeah. The more defence we can have, the better. And of course, Osho, I suppose, technically could play that defensive mid- uh, midfield role as a um, as a backup, emergency backup, should it be needed. So, uh, yeah, all looking good there. Usually we'd look at negatives um, just to sort of round off the podcast, but apart from the traffic on the M6 and all <laughs> the Man United fans that we had to pass to get up there, wasn't really any negatives to talk about, was there, Dan? I mean, as I say, Issa Gabore looked a little bit unsure of himself defensively early on in the game. But again, that's just literally, I mean, you know, you've got, you've got to remember that the bloke's not fluent in the language. He's still understanding uh, what's asked of him, those around him and things like that. So I'm not going to pull him up on that. It wasn't like he made a mistake that was catastrophic on Saturday anyway. But apart from that, I mean, the only negative of the game really was that... I mean, how bad must Everton be that they've lost to a team that ain't even trying in this league, as supposed, <laughs> according to all of the um, pundits, please, you know? Please don't dig me any more holes. <laughs> <laughs> you dug a what, pretty... You, you took I, a JCB to a hole, my friend. Well, <laughs> well if you're going to do it, you may as well do it properly, I suppose. But, no, I mean, I'll, I'll just... Do I need to clarify what I meant? 
Not particularly. No. <laughs> Do I not? No. no, you got your score prediction right. And, I got my um, score prediction yeah. right. You know, we beat them. There's an awful lot of... Um, there's an awful lot of Everton people on our comments on the YouTube channel who weren't very happy with you. But it, I just thought it was hilarious, really. Well, I mean, you've, funny enough for you to put it in the main headline, so I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to be simple and not say anything more than necessary. Um, but yeah, no, there weren't really any negatives at all, apart from the goal going against us. But, you know, I mean... Even then, that was messy, wasn't it? It took it took ages of, as well. Yeah, I had time to get another point, and that VAR <laughs> thing. I mean, we'll, we'll cover that a little bit more extensively in the monthly podcast that we do for October. Oh, because, do we have to? Well, well, no. I'm sick of talking about VAR. <laughs> you know, they just need to get it right. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's more the fan experience of it that we need to talk about yeah. rather than the decision yeah. itself. And. Um, yeah, we'll do that because it's not a day to bring this particular episode of the podcast down because, you know, it's one of the greatest days, certainly in a regular season that we've had uh, for quite some time. We'll finish, though, as we always do. I mean, we'll we'll pick the standout player of the game. And there were so many contenders here. And actually, you probably got a different one yourselves. But I think we're... You know, we're in a marvellous camp on this one. I mean, the, but the longer that game went on, it was absolutely fantastic. The statistics tell you six tackles and I think it was the second most completed passes. Brought the ball out at will. Forced Everton to go wide, which they don't necessarily like to do because they pack their midfield with all these big, physical, powerful runners. Once the ball goes wide, Luton are a lot more content when ball's coming into the box that Anderson or Lockyer or Burke will head them away. And that was all down to our brilliance in Barbwean. So um, kudos to him. Absolutely superb. He wasn't the only one who was superb. They were all superb. As Luton Town won in the Premier League, the Premier League, for the first time in our history. Yeah, sounds good, doesn't it? Really, it really is. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a great performance. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think you can overlook Doughty as well. Um, no, you can't. No. You really can't. Marvellous did what Marvellous is there to do. Um, and if he can do it to that level for a lot longer of the season, more's the better. But he's always going to play, isn't he, if he's fit? Um, yeah. Whereas Doughty was out at the beginning of the season um, with Giles looking like he was going to be in and he's just staked his claim now. Just the fact that I don't think you can not start him. That's a big, big... Um, well, it's, turnaround for it's, it's healthy to have competition that's why you have the competition every new signing we bring you know whoever's still there is looking over the shoulder I mean I think Elijah's looking over his shoulder at the minute because Brown and Ogbeni are streets ahead at the moment in terms of recent form um, Ogbeni for me stood out uh, I just liked how he ran at people he could do the defensive stuff as well and for somebody who was playing in a struggling Rotherham side last year and everybody mocking us that we'd sign a Rotherham player getting up to the Premier League, I mean, he's, he's shot a few people up, I think. And I think he will continue to do that as well. And he'll become, I, I think he's another one that will become a regular. This, and he this, showed is, this is the thing, though, about Luton. And I've, I've always written, done it. I've written a, <clears throat> a programme column for the Burnley game. So um, yeah, turn to the back page if you buy that. Uh, <laughs> But it's, Actually, it's the inside cover of the back page, but we'll let you off. Pedant. <laughs> um, back, back page, you're going to get a list of all the players that you might be watching uh, that particular. You can write my name in there if you like, whatever. <laughs> um, but you in know, your I, dreams. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely in my dreams. 
could have been a contender. His dreams are nightmares. <laughs> oh, for everybody else, definitely. Yeah, they might sound all right to him. Yeah, I, was a, <laughs> I was a fox in the box. He'd give me one of those doughty crosses. But... Yeah, he wants shooting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the point in hand. Oh, yeah, football. Yeah, yeah. I was. Um, <laughs> the piece I wrote essentially was that the Premier League and all of its acolytes and followers and and it, and by the way if you follow if you support the premier league you are a weirdo who supports a league that's one thing but there's <laughs> lots of them and there's lots of pundits that go into battle and uh like protect try to protect the virtue of the premier league or or whatever but n- none of them understand Luton Town Football Club and i think that that's brilliant because you know they they could underestimate them and if Luton play like they did on, on Saturday, then that's what they're going to get. But it's just a li- different different club, a different way of doing things. And the top flight of English football hasn't got a clue how to deal with it. And it it's not necessarily anything that is too related to results uh, uh, even. It's just that they cannot understand how a club can be run by supporters in a sustainable way where you don't splash loads of money and you can do a job. They haven't got a clue and I'm I'm here for it all day long. As we all are. And it's what makes days like Saturday all the more sweeter, the way that Luton Town Football Club do it and long may we continue doing it. Um, and hopefully that was the first of many Premier League wins on Saturday. I'm sure it is because these players are improving with every game of football. That's it for this episode of the podcast. Uh, thanks very much for listening or watching, however you've consumed this podcast. Our thanks, as always, go out to the Hightown Club for being fantastic hosts for us. We thank Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for our wonderful intro and Ed Smith Creative for all the designs that you can see on the set. As we've said before, uh, if you are not a member of the Trust and you'd like to become a member and strengthen our voice, which feels a bit important after yesterday where we went to a club whose owners and fans are not as united and as connected as what we are. Uh, if you want to become a member, www.lutontownsupporterstrust.com and you can sign up there. It's £10 for adults, £5 for concessions. And as the banner behind Dan says, uh, the stronger... Our voice, the bigger and better we can be representing Luton Town fans. So if you do want to join, head to the website. But um, until our next podcast, which will be, of course, to review the Burnley game, which comes up on Tuesday night, that's it for this episode. And, uh, well, we'll sign off by saying, just like we did on Saturday, Luton are back. Thanks for listening or watching. Everyone in it has got this massive soul. We're looking people.